1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 71 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that everything, and I mean simply everything, has its own history, like nonsense, I want to do the history of nonsense, recipes
0: and hats. Or the bowl, the stole and the hole, or the mole, the pole and the doll. (laughs) The doll's a good one. (laughs) And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, who knew that the history of the recipe is all about stink bait, Greek fire, scrofula, transmission of knowledge. It's about Babylon to Jamie Oliver. Wow. Well, we do, you do know that because we've just done it. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a reminder, though, if you haven't heard it, the recipe. It is the wonderful... Um, history of recipes. Yes. Or the lute is about court entertainment, violence, and hidden love and desire. Ooh, I want to do the
1: lute. Right, I've tried should... playing the lute. It's basically the most impossible instrument is it? Yes, I, I mean, God knows how anyone invented it. it. Was like it was. It was sort of invented by a, a demon. And they look quite funny Lutheran. as well, don't they? Yeah. Yes. They, they, you can't hold them. They've got no. far too many strings. Bit fat. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I admire historical Lutonists. The man sitting opposite me is the king of the cushions that protect the throne of history. (laughs) There's a clue there about what we're doing today. It's Professor
0: Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Hello, James. (laughs) Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the maritime man of the moment. It is the truly wonderful, the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, James.
1: Now, each week we, well, we kind of take it in turns. We surprise each other with topics. And this week... I've given you a clue
0: with the throne thing. We're going to do chairs. Excellent. history
1: of chairs. So take a
0: seat. Take a seat. (laughs) Relax. Plump up your cushion. (laughs) You've been wanting to do this for a while, haven't you? I have. I'm very interested in the history of chairs. The history of chairs is all about the invention of comfort. Hmm. Yeah. Don't you think? And more than that, though, isn't it? I mean... John John E. Crowley's The Invention of Comfort, Sensibilities and Design in Early Modern Britain and Early America. So it's it's about this sort of lived environment and the way in which... Comfort was invented. It wasn't always there. Think about your medieval settles and your um, What's a settle? It's a sort of um wooden bench. Oh right. You're looking um, uncomfortable. That's, looking, your uncomfortable looking, that's my uncomfortable face. <laughs> and then as we come into the sort of a late seventeenth, eighteenth century of upholstery and yeah. Versailles and um you know and onwards. Let's just um, do an experiment. Have, uh, so so
1: just off the top of our heads, chairs are about um, as you say, the mention of comfort. It's to do with Control, isn't it? Who is allowed a chair? Mm. When to sit and when not, when to stand. How to sit. Yes. So whether Ooh. you're a child or you're a lady or you're a gentleman or you're a king. Yes. Um, how to sit,
0: yeah. The hierarchy, of, the hierarchy of chairs, so chairs of different status and different refinement, chairs in different places. So from milking stool to chairs. throne. From milking stool to throne via portable chair this brought i thought I was mm. thinking of your portable bed napoleon's right. yeah. portable bed and and you should listen to our bed military, podcast. yeah military furniture wasn't there a That um, Scythian exhibition at the British Museum, wasn't there a a portable chair or portable table or something that was sort of carried around? It was the kind of furniture that that nomadic
1: tribes had. And chairs are very much part of that. I mean, you think of the shooting stick. Yes. That's a chair, isn't it? Yes, it it is. I once came across a a really cool shooting stick, which was actually a gun. So a shooting stick normally is a stick you you kind of shoot yourself up the backside. No, 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 no. You, you um you fold out at the top and you can just <laughs> yes, perch yes. in the middle of a field and, and then you can carry it around with you. But but uh, the one I saw actually was was a gun as well. You it was oh like it was like, a, it was like a a rifle walking stick. You know, goodness you, me, you you've seen those yeah. kind of oh, things? yeah, 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 yeah. Developed from the like the the, the sword walking stick. Yes. you might have a sword with yes. a gun. So, Goodness me. Um well else can we think about chairs? Um obviously what they're made of. Yes. Um so uh leather or upholstery or just timber. There's the whole art of making chairs, isn't there?
0: Yep. Or w- wood, mm-hmm. or wicker
1: chairs. Yep, wicker chairs. That's wicker chairs,
0: different different kinds of chairs. So if we if we can if we think of armchair, leather arm chairs mm-hmm. through to bathing chair, the sort of chair that doubles as a toilet.
1: How many different so chairs, chairs do you have store? in
0: your house? So, if we go through room by room, do you mean different types? Yeah, if we start off in the living room, we have armchairs in there. We have sofas, and I think we can include that in sort of things you sit on. In the dining room, we have dining chairs. We also have a a sort of an old-fashioned sort of Victorian settle, so a kind of which is a you know a, a sort of um bench. Uh, wooden bench, very uncomfortable, but quite nice and carved. We don't have a piano. We have a piano, but no stool. We turn. Oh. We need to get a piano stool, but we turn a, a chair around. No chairs in the kitchen. Upstairs, a uh, very uncomfortable chair in my study mm-hmm. uh which we need to get rid of is it deliberately um, uncomfortable no it's just i've never got round to buying a decent chair i like your chair here oh, i'm going to talk to you about that chair it it excellent chair.
1: yeah well let's just talk about here so in yes. my shed yes uh, we just heard a train go by which is why uh, my shed is at the end of my garden next to a railway line um i have three chairs in here i have a one of those kneeling down chairs so i i
0: I, good for your posture. Good for
1: your posture, and I get very sore wrists and neck from peering at my laptop too long. So I have one of the kneeling down ones. And it's completely transformed my life. It's, it's you kneel on it, and it's got wheels.
0: So I call it my kneeling wheelie seat. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you move around your your shed.
1: Yeah, you've got a really nice chair. Um, I notice it goes with hierarchy, with status, obviously. Well, it, no, it really does. So that chair, my dad was an accountant. He is. He's still alive. He's, I, he's I met your a, father. A he's the most accountant. charming man. Well, that used to be his his um, office chair, office chair. Um, but not only that it was the head partner's office chair for the firm of accountants in St Albans in Hertfordshire that he he worked for but it was it was like the head partner's chair for years right. so it was obviously it passed on
0: from head partner to head partner yes you could only yes.
1: only sit in it if he was a head partner and I think, I think dad nicked it when he left <laughs> great work <laughs> um so it, it is a it's a leather it looks like a, what I would actually call a captain's chair Ooh. Um, so it looks like a chair that a captain might have on a ship. Um, now, I've just said that off the top of my head. I don't even know if a captain's chair is even a thing or whether it's just. Oh, I'm sure it is. Whether it's just a, a sort of um, something that's been passed down. As a as word, I'm just Googling captain's chair. Uh,
0: captain's chair. Are captain's chairs? Not working now. Chairs. Let's assume anyway, they're let, um, captain's chairs.
1: Yeah. Let's assume there are captain's chairs. And now anyway, here I have a um, uncovered. That used to have a cover. We've taken it off. We haven't replaced it yet. Uncovered. Armchair, but it's it's a very
0: weird size, don't you think? Hmm. It is. It's lo- It's what. It's sort of. If you've ever seen the front cover of a PG Woodhouse novel, with a you imagine this sort of chair in a. Gentleman's Club. Yes, okay. A sort of you know, reclining right. a sort of reading chair. So it's long and low. Yes, long and low and louche. I
1: have another one upstairs, uh in in just the room next to my our bedroom upstairs. Right. It's a leather one of those. Ah. And that came from a ship, HMS Orion, which my grandfather and my great grandfather both served on. And when HMS Orion was broken up, one of those two, I'm not sure who, took the chair. Hmm. Um, It was a chair in the wardroom, so it was for officers. Hmm. He always told me that it was a certain type of chair, long and very low, because it allows you to sit on it wearing a sword.
0: Ah, Don't know if it's brilliant. true
1: because this one came from a farm in Northumberland. Right. And I'm not sure why anyone would be wearing in a uniform no. and swords in Northumberland. No. But who knows? The, the But the, the other one is the same. It's, it's long and low. So I would like to know if this is true or, or absolute nonsense. What is certain is if you are wearing a sword or you've got something long and pointy down your side, you can actually sit comfortably in one of these and the sword. Do we have a sword in here? Yes, of course we do. Oh,
0: of course or we do. do we of have a sword? Of course we do.
1: Um, but, uh, what
0: what's the, we'll what do sword is that? We'll an experiment later, because yes. um, we'll have to clear that. Disc. What sword is that? That's a... Um, it's not a sabre, is it? Yeah, it's a policeman's sword. Ah, oh, I remember you've talked about that before, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a... Can you hear that? Yes, it's pretty, I can, yes. Um, that's, is it's it a, gen- genuine? Yes, it is.
1: It's a um, curved policeman's sabre, which is a reminder that the origins of the history of the police line cavalry. So that's why that's a yeah. policeman's sword. So it's, um, it's a mounted sword. Very good. Anyway... Um, Yeah. So we've got three different types of chairs in here, all of which have their own kind of history. This one is to do with posture and it's to do with our modern lives and staring at screens. Your one is to do with some kind of strange hierarchy in accountancy firms or well, yep. any office yep. you know I should think this thing of a head partner having a specific oh, chair was and a
0: special desk as yeah, well yeah absolutely and a, a, a st- an office with a corner view and yeah, sort yeah. of yeah
1: yep and um, and then this one is or is not linked to this idea of how you sit down on a chair in uniform wearing a sword i suspect it's true because you, you, if you are wearing your sword you 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 can sit in it comfortably without
0: it kind of poking up and yeah and and, and in, in other sort of weird chairs ejector seats There's another way of going. Or you're you're talking about a chair in an office that you knew who would sit in it. Reminds me of assassination as well. Really? Um, Yes. I remember reading in a Sunday newspaper uh, a while ago about um, uh, plutonium Mm. in Russia. So a lot of um, plutonium, nuclear-grade plutonium, sort of got onto the black market and... um, mafia would use it to assassinate people. Wow. And one of the things that they would do is that they would sneak into somebody's office, they would open up the back of the chair that they sat in every day, oh. and then they would just put a piece of plutonium in there, Yeah, and then the person would sit there every day, and you imagine as you sit back into your chair, all your organs, your vital organs, your kidneys and everything, are being exposed yeah, over yeah. a long period, I mean, probably wouldn't be that long a period of time, but are being exposed to this, and you die of natural causes, but it was a classic, classic modern way of assassinating
1: people. Uh, it, it, it suggests one of those types of chairs that has a kind of padding and up on particularly in the back. Yes. Hmm. New chairs were so interesting. New chairs. Right. I've
0: got all sorts of chairs okay, let's, to talk to you let's, about. Let's look at some of your chairs. Religious chairs. A religious to talk chair? About religious chairs. Like a pew? So a pew. Mm. A pew. And a pew is all about the Reformation. Of course, it is, of course, about the Reformation. Discomfort. You know, medieval, well, no, medieval um, medieval churches, so we're talking about Catholic churches pre-Reformation. I've got um, a button. Yes. Is a pew about comfort or discomfort? Because pews are notoriously uncomfortable. It is about, a pew is about, um, it's about having somewhere to sit for a long period of time as sermons come in but it's amazing but, they didn't design it's, a comfortable chair but you wouldn't have had but but medieval churches would not have had i mean in 13th 14th century you've got stone benches coming in 15th century these are replaced by wooden with the reformation you get an increasing number of pews put in there's a there's a um wooden pews um, and there's a distinction between high church anglicanism and sort of low church mm-hmm. uh, and and catholicism which you know which is much you know, which is which is not exactly anti the pew, but but certainly the Reformation encourages, you know, pew use because of the the role of the sermon and people needing to sort of sit for long periods of time. It's also about hierarchy. Um, so d- you would basically you would often rent your pew or even pay for your pew. Um, so families would have, you know, would have would pay for pews that were in a prominent place within the church. And that would show their social status. Uh, in America in particular, pew rents were really important and they had more and more pews than say, the, than, and, and then in Britain because that was one of the ways. Because they didn't have a sort of tithing system, formal mm-hmm. tithing system where you give a tenth of your income to the church. This was one of the ways in which they'd raise income. So the pew is very, you know, very, very important. It's very, very important. Yeah. So the chair comes back to the Reformation. The other thing, now we both um, love Exeter Cathedral. We do. Um, misery cords. Wow. Have yes. you come across mis- the misery cord? Yes. Exeter Cathedral is one of the best places in the country for these misery cords. So these are small wooden sort of carvings on the underside of folded seats in church. And so what it is, it's about when when you were supposed to be standing, if you were sort of old or infirm, you know, as often people, often people are, it's this little sort of shelf that as you were standing up, you could sort of, per- rather like a sort of the hunting stick, the walking stick seat that you were talking about, you could stand, you know, perched on this seat for long periods of time through... The sort of procession of prayers. So it's like a standing-up seat. Like it's a, sta- like a standing-up seat. But there are some amazing examples. And one of the things about them is that they are just beautifully carved. I've got some examples here from Exeter Cathedral. If you have a look at some of those here, um, I mean, oh, wow. wonderful. If you go online, Exeter Cathedral, and look at Misery Chords, the Misery Chords is spelt M-I-S-E-R-I-C-O-R-D-S, and you've got thirteenth and fourteenth century um misery chords here and a friend of really dear friend of mine uh the former librarian at uh, or th- librarian at central Michigan University Rob Falier hello Rob if ever you listen to this hello, uh, Rob is one of the world's experts on misery chords and spent a lifetime uh certainly while I knew him going around researching all the misery chords um and all the sort of literature on misery chords and I was lucky enough to have him come visit when I moved back to this country mm-hmm. uh, and was living in Exeter and took him round the misery Chords in Exeter Cathedral. But, um,
1: to talk about actually spending a lifetime on this, so you've just handed me a piece of paper, which is one, two, well, you've handed me five, five stapled together pieces of paper, and Exeter Cathedral has 50
0: of them. Yeah. Lion and dragon fighting. There's um, some kind of half man, half horse with a bow and arrow. There's a female centaur, a crowned knight fighting a leopard. Um, a knight stabbing a dragon. Um, a branch springing from a dragon's mouth. A kneeling man with pipe and tabor. Yes, just seeing um, that guy. He's cool.
1: Yeah, all sorts of... Oh, there's a boat. That's really interesting. How old are these?
0: A wicked soul cast into hell. So I mean, they're dated from some of century. the earliest. are uh, Yeah, 1220 uh, to 30. Now, so those of, of you earliest. who are interested
1: in the maritime world, uh, there are one, two, three, four carvings of ships. And they're kind of a standard... Vikingy type, but it's at a period when when all sh- the ship construction was changing. Yeah. Um. But they very much looked like the kind of things that are displayed in the um depicted
0: in the biatastery. Yeah. So uh, it's not just practical, but it's also, you know, there's a there's a sort of um a skill to the carving yeah. and a sort of meaning behind the carving. And and often what you find is some some of the most ornate carvings would be in the most prominent or prestigious places, in. In the church now, these aren't part of the sort of normal pews. These are all lined around where the choir part of the church is. So there, a couple of religious churches. You then also got, you know, all sorts of other religious chairs in. In churches, yeah. you know the chair that the bishop might sit on, ah. and a sort of hierarchy of, of where people of where people sit. Um, does the Pope have a good chair? I bet he does. Ooh, I, I bet don't the know. The Pope has answer. a, a papal, papal throne. I imagine. Seat. Yeah, people seat, something like that. Mm, yes.
1: Be interested in that? <laughs> um, I'd I'd like to go through all of these misery chords and actually find out a bit more about them. Uh, I like the one of the hands. We've done we've done the unexpected history of hands but we didn't talk about these no uh, let's quickly carry on looking through these I'm going to become obsessed with these <laughs> they're all so weird as well you should all buy a Rob folier's a book on misery cords hmm. well this idea of um, carved seats brings me up to my uh, huh. my example and that is as chairs as historical sources so w- what I want to be talking about here is the idea of the chair. Telling its own story in in a very specific way because of the carving. Oh. So nice. so we've got sort of fairly abstract things yeah. from these misery chords which which might depict twelfth and thirteenth century understanding of the world around them, of the ships, of the fantastic beasts, yeah. um, and all that sort of thing. But what I want to do is talk about chairs that are a historical source of their own, that tell their own story. Yep. Yeah. So I love this idea of chairs with carvings in them. Mm. And I just want to show you this. So if you can have a little look at that, oh, beautiful! Can you describe what's going on there?
0: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. So we have a what looks like the back of a carved chair, and you've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six figures who look like um, native tribes people. They are they look like they are in chains. Um, they, is this a are they looking at it now? This is the first time I've seen it. are they uh, oh, is what we're seeing depicted here? Slaves. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, this
1: is a chair which has come from the Kingdom of Benin, mm. um, which has a long and troubled history in British colonial mm. history. Mm. Um, if you've ever been lucky enough to go and see the Benin bronzes at the British Museum, they're a magnificent collection of the most extraordinary Nigerian bronze artwork, which was stolen from the Kingdom of Benin after a... British punishment expedition in 1897 they were mm. trying to force the kingdom of Benin had, had basically been um, sort of maintaining its independence they they retained a powerful pivotal position in trade of that part of africa and the british were trying to force them to sign an agreement they didn't mm. and they sent in um one one of the the most um violent examples of a british colonial punishment expedition and they they didn't just destroy the city they they stole all of these remarkable remarkable artworks now this is a carving which Hmm. survives from a chair we don't know the entire story there are two options here one is that it is demonstrating the wealth of the king the oba um, and it is demonstrating his wealth through the presence of human slaves hmm. so we've got a number of human slaves they've got kind of neck shackles with one arm through them and there are one two three in a row with a kind of a slave master at the back um, forcing them all to line up and they're standing against either with their waist against a sort of wooden bench almost like a i wondered like whether that was a on a pew. ship on a ship yeah it like might be it, it might be like actually a... um so on the one hand it might be um telling the story of the wealth of this king demonstrated through his um c- collection or, or, yeah. Or, or, yeah. or his access to human slaves um or it might be depicting what the british did yeah yeah after or as as a part of this terrible punishment raid on the city of benin we don't know no. um as or um yet but it's it's one of these you know it's a kind of a sort of an ongoing mystery um, but it's a reminder that, that chairs themselves can be a very valuable historical source. They can have story,
0: stories carved into them. Stories
1: carved into yep. them. They can have their own narrative rather than the history of the chair itself, which is also fascinating, but but they yep. can tell a story and oft, often as clearly as, as a letter.
0: There's a very interesting carved wooden chair at Powderham Castle in Devon, uh, which is supposed to be William of Orange's chair. Hmm. Uh, it's in the main hall, and when William of Orange invaded, he landed in Devon. And glorious revolution, glorious revolution, yeah. um, and he um, he visited the Courtneys as the sort of local family, uh, local sort of powerful family, and had dinner. And this is supposedly the chair that um, he sat in That's that evening that they've kept. The problem is, we don't, we, you know, while that provenance has come, that story has come down. There is no way of actually checking that out and authenticating it.
1: Yeah. It also says something about the the Courtney's providing comfort, um,
0: providing repose, rest as well. Sociability, political importance. I mean, it's about, yeah, it's about, it's not about sitting down. It's about basically going somewhere and connecting with the local political elites within within a region. Yes. I wonder when this whole business of sitting was became associated with power. Well, think of King Arthur and the round table. They're all sitting, you know, it's where you're sitting. I bet you were not allowed a, to sit on the round, table. <laughs> I bet you weren't allowed to sit on the table, but it's, a, it's, about, it's, a, it's about, that again is about hierarchy.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, or or dissolving hierarchy, because if you think about where you sit around a table, sitting at the head of the table, you know, you assume some sort of importance as the, the sort of patriarch. But if what you have is a round table, nobody sits at the head, you're all equals. Yeah. Um, so the etiquette of etiquette of sitting, the where etiquette you of sit. furniture.
1: That reminds me of my <clears> first, the first lecture I went to in my masters in archaeology at the University of Bristol many many moons ago. Um, it was taken by Professor Mark Horton, who was a very uh, is still a very uh very charismatic, uh, eccentric man, brilliant public speaker, and. I was expecting to be given a lecture by someone standing up. We were all sitting down and I assumed that the lecturer would stand up. He lay down on oh. a table um, at the sort of far end of the room on his side, like a kind of Roman emperor with his ha- head in his hand <laughs> across the entire thing and then proceeded
0: to talk for lying down an, an hour and a half lying down. Yeah. I think the way the way in which people, you know, it can it can, the way in which people sit can be so intimidating. I remember as an eighteen-year-old going to interview at Oxford, and going up to this sort of winding staircase to what became my tutor's room, the late Geoffrey Ellis, the sort of brilliant um, uh, French revolutionary historian or historian of, uh, of revolutionary France. Um, And he was in there with somebody else and he sat in a chair, very, very similar to the armchair that you've got here. Yeah. And he just sat with his legs completely straight like that. Really? Not a footstool, but just completely straight. That must have taken immense strength. Immense strength. But also, what a weird thing to do to an 18-year-old from a state school, you know, who's coming up to Oxford for an interview. I mean, just trying to put them off. And the other guy sat. Um, and just said nothing, wow. and just listened.
1: Yeah.
0: What's What's bizarre is that I've heard similar things about candidates going to interview at Oxford and Cambridge this year, where almost exactly the same things happened. So that, that it's almost. I wonder a technique if it to, to them. Put off. It is a to be, I wonder if it happened yeah. to the people who were doing it in the past, and
1: it's something that's been passed down. A way to <laughs> a fairly odd way yes. to put off. Um, yes.
0: Yes. Candidates. Yeah, what do you do? Do you just do your legs straight back? Well, I have no I have no <laughs> idea. Right? You... Try to answer his questions and not look at his socks. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. You should
1: have changed us so let's do. Let's talk yes. about the history of sitting now, yes. right now, because yes. you're being weird.
0: Yes. <laughs> Ignore my essay that I sent in. Let's talk about you. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, I want to go somewhere else, somewhere okay. completely different. Social. This control- is great. I actually feel like we could be going in any kind of crazy direction. We right? are going to be, we're about to go into a crazy direction. Okay. Good. Cucking stools. What? <laughs> <laughs> cucking stools and ducking stools. Cucking. It's all C-U-C-K. about C U C K. C U C K. It is all made, about made up word. No, it He's is all it about social control. Right. A cucking stool was a form of was a, was basically a wooden stool that would be used to ritually humiliate women or other people who had misbehaved in public. Right. So you start off. They're instruments of public humiliation. So if somebody had, um, if a woman had, um, you know, was disorderly, so she'd misbehaved in a particular way, or she was known as a scold, so she had, you know, had a sort of hot tongue and was sort of, you know, about the telling people, uh, we before. talked about the scolds bridal. This is another sort of form of that. Or a dishonest tradesman, mm-hmm. you know, so somebody who's sold who's sold. This has, know, must dodgy, have the same origin of the word of,
1: Cuckled, cuckled. Yes. Yeah. It, so it's, it's along, about public it's along those,
0: humiliation. So it's about public humiliation. And these were – and it was basically a chair. It started off in various sort of forms. It was a chair that the offender would be tied to and basically like put out in a public place to sort of ritually shame her. So, you know, wherever her offence was, you know, they would, they would sort of put, put her out. She it? could be dragged, you know, rather like the Skimmington skimmington ride is basically where you put somebody on a sort of an old donkey or in the back of a cart and you ride them around the village to sort of humiliate them you would drag her around but then it turns into a ducking stool and i've got an example here from lempster this was used last used in 1809 you can see it here and basically what you've got is a wooden chair rather like your chair here and then a long plank Hmm. and rather like a seesaw It's then you, it's on wheels and it is put over to water and then the woman or the offender would basically be dunked into the water to ritually shame her. And she'd literally be dunked in the local pond. This is something you might associate with witchcraft, but it's not associated no, it, with witchcraft. No, no, it, it, it's used for witchcraft as well. As well as it's used for witchcraft as well as women who have, okay. you know, who have who have sort of been disorderly or oh, been, yes. been seen as scolds. Here is an example: here accused of excessive arguing. Yep. Yeah. And in um, in in the case of witchcraft, the idea is that I mean, what's really unfair is the the poor woman who's accused of witchcraft. She's dunked into the water, and basically, if she floats to the top. She's obviously in league with the devil and guilty of being a witch. If she sinks, she's, she's innocent, innocent, but dead. But dead. Yeah. And there are a couple of examples here of when this uh, of when this happened. Um, in this is this is for women who were who were punished in this way. In 1571, the wife of the vicar of Epping was convicted in the court leet of being garrulous to her neighbours and humiliated by being um, by being tied into a chair while in December 1559, the wife of goldsmith Henry Glynn was wheeled in a cart through the city of London for selling the sexual services of her own daughter. Hmm. Basically like pimping out her, her daughter.
1: And this, is, this has obviously got links to waterboarding and yes. to other forms yes. of water torture.
0: Yes. Um, it's a terrifying looking thing, isn't it? It is. I mean,
1: there's this, this poor woman strapped to a chair with four yep. heavy blokes yep. leaning on a
0: pole at the other pushing, end. Which pushing her, her in. The, yeah. And they seem to have been made locally and sort of and 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 differed and you can you can you can relate it also to all sorts of other practices for publicly shaming people you think of the stocks yeah you know putting somebody in the stocks in a public place and throwing rotten fruit at them
1: yeah
0: well i think the, the exact opposite of, of that i want to show you some wonderful little sketches i found okay ah reclining resplendent um Yep, yeah, so um reclining chairs. The, these are reclining chairs, but the, particularly they are
1: um they are images um uh, by W. J. Wiley, who's a very famous maritime artist yep. of steamship passengers from the early twentieth ah, century. So this of, is about comfort and it's leisure. About, like, absolute leisure yep. on board a ship. So yep. so what's fascinating about this is it's coming up to the to to the period of around about the Titanic, um I'll be talking about the deck chairs and the Titanic as well, but it's, it's the you can't do this on a sailing ship. No, you can't, these are these are people having a very very lovely lunchtime. This suite. is a calm ride. It's a calm a ride. Sort of... Legs crossed on these chairs, which have been deliberately built um, to allow you to extend your legs uh, comfortably. They've got their caps over their eyes. We should mm. talk about hats actually, because mm. this guy. Very noticeably, by tilting the cap down over his eyes,
0: protecting it from the sun.
1: Taking his from sun, but yep. it's basically saying I'm not on duty. It's like uh, saying I've gone. Oh know, Putting a putting a sticker on your shop. I'm I'm yep. I'm not at work yep. uh, for now. And that's just by a jaunty tilt of his hat, which I love. So yep. the hat is symbolism. We'll do that more. Yes. But here they are. Um, you can't do this on a sailing on a sailing ship because there are ropes everywhere. You need space on deck. You don't on a steamship. So this whole business of being relaxed and being snoozy and being asleep only became possible once they'd invented propellers, once they'd invented engines, once they'd invented steam. Now, that meant that on a lot of these passenger ships, you're suddenly carrying 400 passengers, 1,000 passengers. It goes Mm. up and up and up and up and up. You've got loads of chairs. Mm. And they become really, really useful in shipwrecks because if your ship's going down, the one thing you all have to hand are chairs and you chuck them off and you make rafts out of them. Ah, Um, very good. I did this um, for a... A, a video you can see it on YouTube. Um, if you google Sam Willis surviving the U boats, you can see right. a little video of me trying to make a raft out of chairs in a um, in a on a ship survival tank. No, a water wow. survival tank. It's um, it's a survival tank where they they generate kind of like crazy yeah, lightning yeah. and wind of, and oh rain. And, oh, and it's, it's wow. for um, training lifeboatmen. Hmm. And um, I, I they made it as dark and terrifying as possible. And I jumped in and they gave me three chairs to see how long I would last fully clothed in Submariner's clothes. Um, Didn't last long. I have to say. I bet it didn't. Um, But it it meant that, that one of the things that people did, ship hits a rock, you chuck your chairs overboard. And that means that even with surviving shipwrecks now, the one thing that's missing are all the chairs. And that means that one of the most rare artifacts that survived from the wreck of the Titanic are the deck chairs which are significant as well because there were too many deck chairs when they could have been extra lifeboats. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there's a whole crazy history of um, survival, rarity, artifacts, shipwreck, Mm. comfort to do with chairs on ships.
0: Goodness And I don't
1: think I've read anything on it at all. If someone's listening and they want an idea for some research, I would do the history of
0: deck chairs, the cultural history of deck chairs. I think it'd be fascinating. Excellent. I want to take us just briefly... Back to this world of social control and the electric chair ooh, as a sort of form of execution uh, that takes over from hanging and the gallows. Um, and it it particularly used in um, the US, in the United States, but also the Philippines uh, up until the sort of mid-70s. Uh, and it's probably st- still used um, in certain states as an option uh, in America. And it's execution by electrocution. Um, it was uh, conceived in 1881 in Buffalo, New York mm. by a dentist named Alfred P. Southwick. Um, and it was developed throughout that decade, the 1880s, as what they described as a humane alternative to hanging. Mm. And it was first used in 1890. And the idea of it was that you would basically be strapped to a chair and then to massive electrical currents would be shot through you the first was um intended to just was put basically into the brain mm-hmm. and was basically to render you completely unconscious and then the next was put through your organs to basically like just ruin them so i think the interesting point
1: here is that it doesn't obviously doesn't have to happen in a chair no and it's a bit weird that it does but why, it's, why doesn't it happen on a, a gurney? On a know, on a, a, a bed trolley? A or bed?
0: A, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. You, mean, it's, to sit it's, up having, and... it's having somebody there. In I suppose what you need is a contraption that when somebody. I mean, some of it could be about how you react when you have an electric shock put through you. I'm riffing off the yeah, top yeah, of yeah, my head, yeah. but you know, if you you're you're but if you think about that as a as a if you're down on a bed and you're strapped down on a bed, you you know, I'm not sure that would be. I, I mean, it would probably work. Possibly, I wonder if it's it's a, it's maybe to do with um facing your um
1: facing your crimes. It's to do with being upright. But also they with... would.
0: But also they would put. They would often put hoods over them. Okay. So that so it's probably easier to put a hood over somebody's face when they are sat down. Yeah. And there's probably something that happens to the body when. Yeah. When it's standing up. It's it's, um, um, it's, it's a it's
1: kind of a chilling thing. Let me just show you this because I found this on my walk this morning with Geronimo. And it's one of the weirdest things. Knowing I was going to do a podcast on chairs, look what I found.
0: Ooh, it's a chair. It's a chair with a load of sticks under it. Is somebody going to put it, light it? I don't know. It, look, it looks like, um, so there's a, quite a large pile of kindling
1: Ooh. on top of which is a wicker chair. Um, and it rather looks like someone's going to be sat on there and burnt. Ooh. I don't know, but it made me wonder if um, when people were being chairs burned. whether they were... Whether they were sitting or whether they were standing,
0: you'd, be, you'd often be tied to a stake. Yeah, I knew that. I so just wanted be. To...
1: Hmm. Well, I have with...
0: here, I have here a description by uh, the lawyer who defended the last person to be one of the last people to be executed by electrocution in mm-hmm. Tennessee, a guy called David Rabin, and it was mooted that um, that the electric chair would be reintroduced um, into Tennessee in in two thousand and fourteen and he is not anti the death penalty mm-hmm. in in certain cases but he is certainly anti the electric chair mm-hmm. you know and sees the lethal injection as something that's much more um much more humane and what he describes is the psychological torment that accompanies the method of electrocution um and he goes through sort of describing how he went to see the the guy who was on death row um, and then describes in great detail the um, the the you know exactly what happened. Um, Daryl Holton uh, was the was the man. Daryl Holton and I said goodbye to each other. I stepped back a few paces, and he mouthed "thank you" to me. The warden asked Daryl if Daryl wanted the chaplain. He did. The Lord's prayer was recited aloud by everyone. Then a door opened, and in walked the extraction team consisting of about eight stout men. Several of them went into Daryl's cell and had him kneel on his bunk with his head facing the wall. The purpose of this exercise was to restrain Daryl in a body belt, leg irons and plastic handcuffs. The plastic device was of some concern to one guard who was armed with a pair of cutters to trim off excess material that looked like a giant twist tie. The guards were then in force in the event the condemned did not wish to willingly go to the execution. But, but he had a certain dignity about him. It then describes how he sort of led into, this, um, into this, this room. The guards then performed the laborious process of placing the straps and belts around his body. This took probably about 10 minutes. The electrodes were fastened to his feet. Large wet sponges were placed between the metal contacts and Darrell's skin so as to assure that the electricity had as little resistance as possible. The guards sopped up the excess salt water on the floor. Um, he then describes the um, the guard apologized for the water dripping down Darrell's face, and Darrell said it didn't matter. At this point, Darrell was asked if he wanted to be blindfolded. He said yes. That was his last audible sound. Then a large black shroud, which looked like a welder's mask, was affixed to the helmet on his head. There was very little of Darrell left to see at this point, covered as he was with all the straps and things. Everybody left in the execution room at this point. Um, everything was still. Nobody said a word. Then we heard the whirr of an exhaust fan in the death chamber. Five seconds later, bang, a loud electrical noise. Darren Holton convulsed and was pinned to the electric chair. A reporter, I will not say which one, I was behind them all, jumped a bit back in his chair as if he shocked himself. The impact of the voltage had to have killed Mr. Holton instantly. We will never know for sure, but it was dramatic for 15 seconds the current was applied then it was halted and darrell's body slumped over then silence i looked in vain for any sign of life one eye was on darrell and the other on that phone then bang another shock for some 20 seconds halton's body convulsed again I mean, it's the most horrific Mm. sort of way of dying. I mean, it must be instantaneous, but still, you know, that that kind of the whole sort of ritual of execution, dead man walking, the sort of the body, you know, eight men around him, 10 minutes to sort of strap him all up, Mm. the, you know, the composure that you must, the mental strength that you must have to be able to endure that is, you know, when when we looked at the smile, we talked about the bravery of people uh, who were being guillotined.
1: That's right, and smiling as they went to and the guillotine. As they
0: went to the guillotine, as a and form kind of, of yeah, and that it, kind it, of resolve. Yeah, yeah, it was an expression of po- political sort of um, resistance. That, yes, yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, let's. I, I think we should we should draw things to a close with just a, yes. a, a nice, friendly, uh, yes, sort of good, a, a joyous good. little example. This is this is cool. Um. Here we are. This is round about
0: 1803, 1804. Can you take us onto a, a ship? <laughs> no, um, I can't. But a sedan chair. What is that? That's a.
1: That's a, Nelson's a daughter. Chair. Yes, it's her little go kart, oh, as they described it. Is. So it's a ooh, it's a child's toy. Mm. Um, from the um first few years of the nineteenth century. Hmm. This is Horatio Nelson's daughter Horatia, and she had, um. What actually I would describe as a captain's chair. Let's go back to that because we were talking about the captain's chair that you're sitting yep, in. Yep. Um, and if you... I, I just did that a minute ago. If you Google a captain's chair definition... Here we are. I was right. It was a captain's chair. So it's an armchair with a saddle seat. So if you note, if you look under your bum, you'll notice that yep, it's carved. A saddle seat, yes. It is, it is, it is carved Very like calvary. a saddle. Yes. And a low curved back with vertical spindles. That is a captain's chair. So this go-kart is a... Um, it's a three-wheeler. There are two big wheels at the back. You've got a captain's chair attached to a sort of frame um, with... Oh, no, it's a four-wheeler with two smaller wheels at the front and a kind of um, a, a controlling lever at the front there. So uh, that raises the very interesting question of chairs and childhood play. I bet there's all sorts of wonderful examples of wheelie chairs and little kids' stools and yeah. high chairs. High chairs. Yep.
0: Yes. Fascinating very good i would i've just found on ebay a captain's chair right. on casters in green leather for 139 pounds buy it now oh okay we don't need to do that because i have mine you it's have nicer yours, than that I, one i do not well, well you it's need much a captain's nicer chair. than that one i shall get the captain's chair i think yeah brilliant well we've They're done all sorts of things we have done um social control electrocution yes. Ooh. assassination play leisure ship- travel shipwreck deck chairs mm. Uh, religious chairs, pews. Religious I like chairs. that. I like the pews and misreports.
1: Yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, please get in touch. Let us know Um. What, what interests you about the history of chairs. If you've come across any history, any interesting historical chairs. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes. Please do so, it really matters. Subscribe to the podcast
0: and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow Histories of the Unexpected on Unexpected Pod. We are truly proud to be part of the excellent history hit network home of dan snow's history hit and other fantastic shows
1: and you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months show notes video clips photos of everything we discuss and much much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected bye bye